0: Welcome to the Empowered Homes Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to be a resource to connect church and home by growing strong families. Hi, this is Bobby Cooley. On today's episode, we're gonna be talking discipleship, Um, and what that means. We have a guest, Eric Conley, going to be with us as we discuss what does it mean for personally to be a disciple. What does a disciple look like? There's so many questions and so many different things that are going on and so many different people are talking discipleship. And so we're going to clarify um, what it is, what it means, what it looks like, and uh, also challenge us to be an everyday disciple, not just a Sunday to Sunday disciple. And uh, really good content. We have some really good stories with what that looks like in our own lives. Um, you can also find more information on empoweredhomes.org. Eric Conley's with us. Eric, welcome, man. It's good to be here. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your your past, and uh, just about your family and all that good stuff too. Yeah, so uh, I'm a
1: grown-up church kid. Been in church since I was a baby, um, and really, really started seeking the Lord at, when I was in high school. Uh, I saw some people who actually lived out what they believed, uh, and it really made an impact on my life. Um, getting into my college years, started hearing this buzzword of discipleship. You know, what is a disciple? How do we make disciples? Let's be disciples who make disciples. And um, as I started to really wrap my head around that, I realized this is something that's never happened for me. I've sat in church services, Mm -hmm. I've gone through Bible studies, but I've never really had somebody who invested their life in me so that I would invest my life in other people got married in college to uh, the most wonderful woman in the world, Sarah, uh, who is just wired the same way, that we want our lives to count for the expanding of God's kingdom. We think that we've been designed to do that through discipleship, through loving Jesus ourselves, helping other people love Jesus, and then going out and telling the world who he is. So uh, we've got four wonderful children. Most of the time, they're wonderful. (laughs) And uh, we're just, we're just thrilled to be here in Katy, Texas, uh, learning more about Jesus and loving people the way he tells us. Yeah. That's awesome,
0: man. And I think most adults in church today would probably agree. Like, I don't really know what discipleship mm-hmm. is because I don't know if I've ever been discipled. Um, and that's a common question that we get. Uh, we get that question, you know, like what, what does it mean to be discipled? how do I know if I'm being discipled or how do I know if I'm discipling someone else? And so that buzzword of discipleship is, uh, it's prevalent, especially in church. And it shouldn't be something that we wrestle with because, you know, it's a complex idea, but I think in its form, it's pretty simple. Uh, For me, uh, I grew up not in the church, complete opposite I didn't have anybody really pouring into me. If anything, I was discipled to the world. I had plenty of opportunities to (laughs) go wherever I wanted to go, do whatever I wanted to do. And um, when I became a believer, um, I don't know if he would call it discipleship, but the guy who uh, led me to the Lord um, spent time with me, invested in me. I was over his house. I watched him um, take care of his family and lead his family Uh, we didn't have like a sit down, let's read a book together. It was just more, I got to see him live out Jesus every single day. Um, and so for me, that was the model that I took of like, okay, uh, who, who can I take with me and, and, uh, lead, lead people to what it looks like to, to love Jesus. And, um, so as we approach this conversation, you know, we can, Simplify it, um but really, it just goes back to what Jesus did with his disciples, right um eric what what were the three things that Jesus did with his disciples over and over and over, and really putting me on the spot here uh
1: he he taught them, yeah, they broke bread together,
0: yeah. he
1: modeled and he, and he, and, yeah, yeah he yeah. he walked with them modeled things yeah. he did object lessons as they were going yeah. it wasn't it wasn't formalized yeah it wasn't hey we're going to meet every tuesday morning yeah we're going to open the torah and i'm going to tell you yeah. how you need to interpret this that wasn't jesus's way yeah of equipping people for the work of the ministry, so
0: I shouldn't go to Panera Bread every Tuesday with my group. Right? Oh no, you should still do that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, and and that's that's totally good. But if you look at Jesus's life and how he led his his disciples, um, there's no formula that we've tried to to um, kind of pull out of. There's no silver bullet for what it looks like. And I think a lot of times we get so you know rigid in this is discipleship. This is how it goes. And we miss out on the freedom of following Jesus and what that looks like. You know, for us um, at Kingsland, one of the, the visions that we have for our groups and especially in our group settings is, is looking at three things that Jesus taught and told his disciples over and over and over. And um, he said it in every, every gospel. Um, he said, love, love, Lord your God, love God. Um, so part of being a disciple is growing in our love for God. So what does that look like to grow in our love for God? Yeah, I, I think that we, we have to, one, know
1: who God is. Yeah, We come to understand that through spending time in his word. And then we see how he loves other people we try to incorporate those things into our lives so we can't shield ourselves from the world completely. Yeah, We can't uh, raise our kids in, in a bubble. We can't uh, just deny ourselves joy and happiness and peace. And um, to really understand and love God
0: is to, is to know him and love the things that he loves. Yeah. Like practically, what can I do to grow in my love for God? Like, what does that even look like? What does that mean? Because um, obviously we want to love God, um, but what are some, I mean, is it just reading your Bible or is there other things to it?
1: Yeah, I think that we try to make it really complicated, right? So we want, we want a path. We want to know, okay, step one yeah. is I do this. Step two follows that, and then I'm going to complete this at some point. The most rational thing I can say is this is a journey. It's not, you never reach the point where yeah. you're a fully equipped disciple of Jesus. So yes, spending time in the word is of huge value. Sitting under biblical teaching yeah. is of huge value. Walking through life with a community group or just with a, with a, a buddy, with your spouse, with your kids, that's of huge, huge importance, any of those things by themselves is lacking something yeah but it's when we we start to position our lives centrally on who Jesus is that we start to see our neighbors as people who need the love of Jesus or people who need encouragement or somebody who can walk with me in this journey we start to see our kids not as um, just man I want I want something great for him in the future but we see them as this is. This is a life that's going to count for the kingdom. And so we, yes, Bible, prayer, community
0: groups, good sermons, evangelism, all of those things. Absolutely. And and that goes to the next one that you alluded to. Like Jesus said, love God. And the next is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, So the first one is loving God and growing in that. And how we do that is through um, being in his word, listening to other people, voices, um, prayer, fasting, all the spiritual disciplines of growing in our love for God individually, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. And uh, one of the things I like to, to challenge people is like we, we read that passage of love your neighbor as yourself, and we think, man, we are so selfish. So if I just barely love my neighbor as much as I love myself myself, then I'm going to love them really well. And, and I would challenge that. And there's a lot of theologians and different commentaries that would challenge that too um, of saying like flip it. You can't love your neighbor if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't really love yourself. And, and like self-care is not selfish. Like it's, it has to be a priority. And that self-care starts with your interaction and your love for God growing in that and filling your cup up or you'll never be able to love your neighbor, right? And so, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, loving God, and then the second one is loving your neighbor. Uh, what what are practical things? You alluded to it a while ago, but what are some practical things we can do individually to love our neighbors, but also, um, you know, as a family? How do we love our neighbors?
1: Yeah. So you have to know who your neighbors are. Uh, I think it was David Platt, and I forget what book it was that he was writing in. He said, you know, we we're, we're people who play in the front yard. It's really easy to be isolated because we all have these big yeah. fences in our backyard. Um, but just, uh, we call it the ministry of presence. Yeah. If you're just around, you're available. You play in your front yard, you play in the cul-de-sac, you see your neighbors, you say hi. You have to have a baseline of relationship and even know who's around you to, to be able to love them appropriately. Uh, there was a, a guy that I knew. He was actually a senior pastor at a church, moved into a neighborhood and was, was really consumed by taking care of his family, being faithful to his church and had isolated himself and his family from his neighbors. He came to find out about a month after a, a precious senior adult lady lived across the street from him, her husband had died. It took him a month. As a senior pastor of a church who's preaching every week on take care of your neighbors, we need to love people, we need to meet needs, we need to do all these mm-hmm. things. And that was a wake-up call for him. And as he's sharing that, it's a wake-up call for for me to say, do I know my neighbors? Yeah, yeah. Do I know what the needs
0: are? Your physical neighbors that live right next door is where you start, right? Absolutely. I mean, A lot of times we think we got to go across the world to love our neighbors, but we have neighbors all around us. Um, We have neighbors in the cubicle next to us. We have neighbors who uh, we see every single day at the coffee shop. Um, And being intentional in that, and how do we go beyond our capacity, beyond ourselves, because that's what Jesus told us to do, um, to to show love for them. Um, It's not, you know, it's not a... um, It's not a hard thing, but it is a very difficult thing. Like, it's super hard to to be courageous, to go out and and to be bold, um, and and to do those things. But it's what we're called to do. We're called to do it,
1: and I think at times we make it harder than it has to be, too. Yeah, and and we do this in all areas of spiritual discipline. We want to just add a add something to our stack. Instead of leveraging the things we already do, Man, that's a good point. Yeah. Especially for parents, yeah. I mean, most most parents they get home at you know five, six, seven o'clock at night, and they want to spend some time with their kids. But most of that time is not like knee to knee, you know, three hours in prayer before yeah. you go to bed kind yeah. of time. It's it's like chasing a kid on a bike or watching them crash their skateboard into the streets or at the pool. Yeah, that that time is there. And 100% of your attention isn't on your your child. It's a good time to talk with your spouse. It's a good time to decompress from your day. But that's also a great time, especially if you're in that cul-de-sac in your front yard, to look around and, and yeah. see two houses down. Oh, that family, they're out riding bikes. Yeah. We could probably all watch each other's kids and build a relationship while we do that. That's
0: good. and And just knowing... Loving your neighbor doesn't have, it's not a program, (laughs) it's it's DNA. It's part of just your everyday going through life as a disciple. So those are the first two. So loving God, growing in our love for God, loving our neighbors and loving them well, um, and asking the question and praying. I think, you know, um, we had a a special guest last summer come in and uh, she shared this analogy of the trust bridge um, that, that has hit me over and over and over. Basically, you know, you have to build that relationship with someone um, in order to be able to share this you know, truckload of information. And so if I'm building a bridge and I have this truckload of information of the gospel, I have this huge, massive uh, thing, and my bridge is weak, and I'm trying to carry that massive load of the gospel over the bridge, it's going to crumple. Mm-hmm. But if I build trust and build that bridge really, really strong, when it's time for the gospel to go across, then it's going to withstand because I have the relational equity there. And so, you know, loving your neighbor is 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 an everyday thing, and it's not something that we have to program or over emphasize or whatever. It just should be natural as a disciple because that's what Jesus told us to do: love God, love your neighbor. And the last one, number three of what, and it's not an ex- exhaustive list, but these are three starting points of. Okay, what is a disciple? A disciple loves God. A disciple loves their neighbor. And then the last one, Jesus said, the world will know that you're my disciples with how you love one another. And so how are we loving each other in the body? Um, Because Christians, a lot of times, we're the first to shoot our own. You know, someone messes up or pastor falls or fails, man, we are first in line to just ridicule and mock and kick them when they're down, and the world sees that, you know. I would rather the world see us with how we have compassion for one another, how we walk with one another, how we love one another. And I think that's what Jesus meant. The world will notice. There's something different with that that group. There's something different going on there. You mean they're meeting each other's needs? They're they're caring for each other. They're uh, someone's sick, and they're bringing meal. Like all of those things that are gospel focused. I, I, I think we miss that element of what it means to be a disciple. But also, sometimes we make that the emphasis, right? Um, Sometimes we're like, all right, we're gonna do fellowships and just hang out, and we're not gonna grow in our love for God, and we're not gonna love our neighbor, we're just gonna have supper club every week at our house which is nothing wrong with that. It's a great community, but it's not gospel-centered. It's not following Jesus. And so those three elements are kind of, I mean, there's not an exhaustive list, but those are things. three things that we feel like, or I feel like, uh, if we start there and we start doing those things personally as a follower of Jesus, um, it, it's to be enjoyed. We enjoy the kingdom of God. Like it's It's okay for us to say that in the middle of those three things, for us to find joy, but it's also for the world to see and take notice, and uh, we can't miss that element. So uh, anything you would add to those three? I don't think I would add anything, but I think when we
1: think about what happens within the church and that community, that fellowship of you know just loving one another, all too often I believe that churches and, and groups of believers are known for what we're against mm. more than what we're for. Yeah. And you know we're for some incredible things. We're for grace. We're for mercy. We're for justice. We're for love. We're for family. We're for all of these wonderful things that I don't think I'm out on a limb here when I say that, that the rest of the world wants to figure out. Yeah. Nobody wants to live in guilt and shame and regret and remorse. We have the answer to that. Yeah. We, we have the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus And when the world looks into the church and they see infighting, they see, well, they have a stance against this or a stance against that. That doesn't reinforce that their pain can be solved in the person of Jesus. But when they look and they see, man, why is there this train of meals that keeps coming to my neighbor's house because there was sickness or there was death or there was something? Why... Is my street full of cars every week and people are laughing and having fun and, and enjoying fellowship and time together? Those are the things yeah. that we want the world to see. And so that loving each other within the body is just as vital as loving the least, the last, and the lost. Yeah. Just as vital as anything else we do yeah. within
0: and I, religion. And these three things, and I always tell people, you know, uh, being a disciple or, or di- being a disciple. It, we, we put a hierarchy, right? It's like, okay, this is more important than this. And I would argue that they're all three of them. Um, they all are, I mean, they're on the same level, right? You know, if you just sit around and love God, you're in every Bible study you can possibly be in. You're growing in your knowledge. That is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with it. But by itself, I wouldn't call that discipleship you know same sense if if all you do is love your neighbors you are known for how much you give to to those who are hurting you're you're going after the the least of these and you're working so hard you're doing incredible things but without a love for god and without a community of believers like you're just doing you know human aid or peace corps right like you're doing incredible stuff but if it's not in the name of, of Jesus, like it's awesome, but it's not discipleship. And then the last one, if like we said earlier with the supper club, if all you're doing is meeting and hanging out, it's incredible to find community, to find those friends that you're doing life together. But if it's just supper club, that's not discipleship. And so I, I, that's why I think those three things when they converge together um, and, and we see those play out in our, in our lives and and in the lives of those that we're with, um, that's when we start to look like a disciple. Um, and it's messy. It's messy to reorient your life around Jesus. It's messy. There's no perfect. It's, (laughs) there's no, uh, scenario that makes it like, Oh, a cookie cutter. Like it is legitimately a mess, but it's a beautiful mess to do those things. And, um, You know, when Jesus, when he left in Matthew 28, he says, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to every nation, right? That was the plan. That was it. Which is crazy. Yeah. That was the plan to change the world was he sent his disciples to go make more disciples. That was it. And yet we've been scared of the word disciple. We've been, we've made it into something that's like almost impossible to grasp, but that's the plan. There's no plan B. And so if you think on the lineage of when Jesus left the earth, he told his disciples right then and there and think about where we're at. We're in Katy, Texas. Like our church is 40 years old. Like from that time when he said, go make disciples to today, people have been taking that seriously. People have been making disciples still today, um, and so it's working. It's happening. The plan to change the world is is happening. Yet we still struggle with this idea of being a disciple who makes disciples.
1: Well, and I think we want to professionalize it.
0: You know, that's for that's
1: for the the minister. That's for the missionary. Yeah. That's for these you know quote unquote professional Christians. Um, but the, the reality is scripture never speaks to that. One of my favorite passages is right after Stephen is stoned. Uh, so Jesus gives his his command, the great commission early in Acts, and then you know, there's some incredible church growth that happens um, through the the pronouncing of God's word and and all this kind of stuff. But Stephen gets stoned, and then in, in Acts chapter eight, uh, it just says that there was a great persecution that broke out and everyone was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So all the believers at that time were scattered, but there's, there's like a footnote there that I just harp on every time I think about discipleship because it says, except the apostles. Hmm. So everyone is scattered out of Jerusalem to the places Judea and Samaria that Jesus specifically yeah. said, I'm gonna send you as my witnesses, except for the guys that have walked with Jesus for the last two and a half, three years. They stayed hunkered down in Jerusalem, fighting the persecution, trying to just save their lives. The church blew up yeah. post-Acts 8. Yeah. It was everyday, ordinary moms, dads, people who opened a shop. It's these people leaving what they knew because of the persecution, proclaiming Jesus as they went. Yeah.
0: I mean- that, that's incredible. Yeah, and a lot of times what we do is like a new believer. Okay, you got to go through the new believer course. You got to learn all this doctrine. You're not ready to really be a disciple who makes disciple, makes disciples. And so we form like made it so formal. Which there's so much good things in like a new believers class and going through that. I'm not knocking that at all. Like I don't know what I would would wouldn't have done to have something like that you know a lot of my early on understanding was a little skewed because i didn't have like someone really walking through scripture and helping me understand the the foundations of the doctrines of the church and all that stuff but um but we shouldn't you know that zeal for jesus when you first encounter him and you experience true fulfillment um we shouldn't like muzzle that. We should let that mouthpiece go. It's like the woman at the well, you know, um, Jesus encounters her, um, calls her out for her mess, gives her living water. She goes back and she couldn't keep her mouth shut about what Jesus had done. She went and told everybody. She couldn't, she she couldn't not. And so for new believers, like I think one of the things that we, we try to formalize, like you said, or make it more professional uh, with discipleship is we've kind of made it of like, oh, well, you're not really ready. And I think every believer, whether you've been a believer for 60 years or you're brand new tomorrow, you have a story to tell and something to say about who Jesus is because he changed your life. The Holy Spirit did a work in you and you right then that second you can tell that story and that's uh, you know evangelism and that's the thing with discipleship i can't i don't think there's no way to separate yeah you can't disconnect it you can't disconnect discipleship and evangelism like it's a two-sided coin it's stuck together and we've tried to do that as well Of like okay here's how you do evangelism here's the perfect track and all this stuff well that's discipleship like like I think they they're so melded together that you can't disconnect them, right? Um, and and it's it's a beautiful thing when you get to experience a new believer and get to give them freedom to go and tell what Jesus has done for you. Um, yeah, I yeah. In in the same
1: vein, you know, you're excited, you're passionate about it, you want to go and tell somebody. You're also never too young in your faith to. To disciple someone, to train them yeah, up yeah, in good. in the knowledge of who God is and how to live those things out. Yeah. Um, you know, you you think about everybody is discipling towards something. Yeah, it's worldly success. It's um, you know what, whatever that is for you. You're chasing after something, and somebody is watching that and following and saying, "I want to be like that guy." Yeah if as believers we are supposed to be, and and most of us, I believe, are most passionate about Jesus, most passionate about our relationship with him, that should be the chief thing that that anybody who sees our life is like, man, I I want
0: some of that. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a disciple who your whole life is centered on who Jesus is, people will know what you're about. People will know that you are a follower of Jesus. And that's what the word actually means, disciple. It just means a follower. And so what are you following? And I want to be known as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of him. Uh, And and the hardest part, I think, for a lot of people who are wrestling with uh, this, and I I have a a great friend who she's a newer believer. It's been a few years. She's been uh, working through her own faith journey. And she got asked to disciple another lady and she said, there's no way I'm not ready. And I just tried to encourage her of saying, you're absolutely ready. Um, You don't have to have it all figured out. The Holy spirit is at work, right? We absolutely, we let, we let it fall on our shoulders that we have to do it all. And the, the reality is we just have to be willing To be willing to say, I'm following Jesus and I want to create a culture around me that introduces others to Jesus and that I want them, because a disciple who makes a disciple, you're not making a disciple of yourself, right? You're not making a disciple, well, you follow me. No, you're challenging and charging that person to follow Jesus. And yeah,
1: you're you're full of Christ. Yeah. It's no longer I, me, who yeah. lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. So somebody who's following you is not following you. Yeah. You're following, following Jesus in you, the Holy yeah. Spirit in you. Yeah. I call it sneaky discipleship. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's the best way, just me personally, uh, because every person knows how to make a friend. Like, yeah. you learn that in kindergarten. Like, oh, you like coloring with red too? Let's be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everybody knows how to make a friend. And what you do with your friends is the things that you love. What do you talk about? You talk about the things you're passionate about, the things you want to do, the things you want to see and experience. I want to travel the world. I want to see this country. I want to go to an Astros game. I want to do all all this stuff. The person who loves Jesus builds friendships, but the things that they share and the things that they're passionate about are things of God. Yeah. They share their love for God. They share their love for the lost. They share their love for the church. And over time, this person who you're just a friend with starts to say, man, this guy is either crazy or there's something to this. It's fueling this passion. Yeah. And you don't have to have like a signed agreement. Hey, I will disciple you for the next six months. Yeah, exactly. But, but it's sneaky, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we're just gonna be friends. I'm going to share my life with you, Yeah. and God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, is going to reveal to you
0: His heart for you and His heart for the world. Yeah, it, it's that simple. But at the same time, you can make it more complex. You know, I've I've had uh, younger guys come up to me and saying, "Hey, I'd, I'd like to know more about apologetics or doctrine or whatever. Would you mind going through a book with me?" and I say, absolutely. I mean, they want, they're hungry to grow and learn, and it's a chance for me to grow and learn. I'm not ignorant to think (laughs) I'm not going to get something out of it too. And that's part of discipleship as well, is if, if you're pouring into someone else, most of the time you learn something about yourself. And, and that's, that's what just the circle that happens within discipleship. And it, it can be as informal or as, or as formal as you want it. But the Thing we have to guard with it is just being so rigid and legalistic with what we do that it hinders us from really experiencing who Jesus is. Instead, we experience a book, we experience someone else's words, we experience uh, you know the next tool that comes out for discipleship. Instead of experience experiencing who Jesus is, and I think that's the heart of what creating a culture of disciple-making should be about. And also, you said it earlier, it's an everyday thing. It's not a, hey, we're going to church on Sunday or we're going to Bible study on Tuesday night at so-and-so's house. Being a disciple who makes disciples is every single day. And the greatest, for those who have kids, the greatest way to live that out is in front of our kids. And, uh, you know, uh, for sake of time, we'll, we'll chat later about, you know, what discipleship, we'll have a part two to this. Um, and we'll talk about, okay, so what's discipleship for us as adults, but then, um, how do we, how do we practically disciple our kids? And that'll be part two. Um, so you have to listen to the next episode, but, uh, man, Eric, thank you so much, dude. Uh, It's my pleasure. Yeah. It's, So as you read this, um, just know on the empoweredhomes.org website, we have tons of resources for discipleship. Uh, One of the greatest things we have on the site is our family freedom uh, ministry, which is our breakthrough series. Um, If you haven't checked it out, please go on, check it out. Um, You can't fully live out the gospel every single day if you have strongholds that are holding you back from being an everyday disciple. So the strongholds um, that, that we have, we need a breakthrough. And so the Breakthrough Series will um, challenge us to really dig deep into our past, but also into our future so that we can look uh, at what our lives should look like as a disciple. So uh, go on there and check it out. Um, yeah, Eric, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Homes Podcast. For more content and information to connect church and home, please visit empoweredhomes.org.